Welcome to Grace Life Church Podcast. If you would like any more information about us, please visit our website, gracelife.com.au. Morning, church. Galatians chapter 6, if you have a Bible. If you don't, you can repent. Hallelujah. You've got to check up on preachers, you know. We make these quotes and everything. You better make sure we're saying it out of the Bible, you know. You've got to check up on these preachers. Yeah, that's right. Anyway, last week when we would, uh, Pastor Josh was preaching, we had a great service with the um, faith offering last week and the combined service with Ellenbrook. I was sitting there and uh, I don't know if you noticed, we actually sat in a different position. I know that's really, uh, we're breaking religious laws there by sitting in a different place. But we sat over this way. And uh, anyway, we were sitting there and uh, Pastor Josh started, at, at the, I think it was his third point, he ventured into Galatians chapter 6. And as he did, I thought, don't go too hard on this. I'm preaching on it next week. But I said to my wife, I said, verily, verily. Now, you think that's weird, I know, but it's old King James, all right? Anyway, so the phrase verily, verily is, uh, is translated truly, truly, or amen, amen. One commentator says, when repeated, it expresses the speaker's sense of importance of what he is saying and the certainty that it, affirm, uh, uh, that it is as he affirms. So what it is, is it's, I was sitting there and I'm thinking, okay, God, you've got this under control. I'm already, I had not all three points sorted. I had an idea of what I wanted to preach. I knew my text was Galatians chapter 6. I had an illustration. But as Pastor Josh began to speak, there was something like an amen in my heart about sowing and reaping and about the things of God and how our uh, the, the Bible talks about farming and fields and various other typologies in Scripture. F.B. Meyer, an old preacher, said, Life is a seed time. It is the opportunity of preparing for heavenly harvest. The open furrows invite the seed, and every moment in some form we scatter seeds that we shall inevitably meet again in their fruition. Let us remember especially our obligations to God's own children. I was thinking about the kids being in service. I was thinking about the responsibility of parents and grandparents because we sow seeds into children all the time. Our exampleship, men, of being in church and your children seeing you lift your hands, sing and praise, read your Bible, pray... These are seeds that we plant in lives of others as well as in our own life. So I want to preach a message this morning about kingdom farming. I've just talked, called it kingdom farming. And, and um, Galatians chapter 6, beginning in verse 1. I'm reading from the New Living Translation, and you can follow in yours. It says, Dear brothers and sisters, if, anyone, uh, if another believer is overcome by sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. And be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Share each other's burdens, and in this we obey the law of Christ. 
If you think you are too important to help someone, you're only fooling yourself. You are not that important. If you want to underline that one, you're not that important. I can tell you how amazing you are. Have you ever been to those churches and they just tell you every 30 seconds how amazing you are? Guess what? We're sinners saved by grace. And if it wasn't for the grace of God, we wouldn't be here. We're fearfully and wonderfully made, but He is amazing. Hallelujah. You are not, very, you are not that very important. Okay. Pay careful attention to your own work, for then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done, and you won't need to compare yourselves to anybody else. For we are each responsible for our own conduct. Wow, we. This is great translation. I just enjoyed reading this. Those who are taught the word should provide for their teachers, sharing all good things with them. Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. So let, let's not get tired of doing what is good and just at the right time we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Therefore, whenever we have opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially to those in the family of faith. Kingdom farming. I want to talk to you firstly this morning about our field of labours. For parents, your field of labours is your home with your kids, but it's not just that. Your field of labours is your workplace. Everybody who works, it's your field of labours. It's where you invest your time. It's where you invest your energy. Your field of labours is the community, your neighbour next door. Your field of labour is also the local church community. And being part of a local church community and involved with people has a number of aspects associated with that. And some of those are good and some of them are not so good. Bear with me for a moment because Matthew chapter 13, Jesus speaks about the farm and he speaks about sowing seed and he speaks about the ground, but he also speaks about the reaping and he talks about how the field of labour is like the kingdom of heaven. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like a field. And he goes on to talk about how during the night the enemy comes and sows tares in the old King James says tears. In another translation, it says we are weeds. So wheat and weeds, they're in the same field. Have you ever met somebody in church who irks you? Who you don't see eye to eye with? Have you ever met somebody in church who comes up with a weird and wacko doctrine? Paul had a bit of an experience of that. And in the book of Galatians, as we studied the book of Galatians, I think it wasn't last year, the year before, 
We talked about how it was a book of correction in some ways because there were people who were coming in who were teaching a legalistic doctrine, who were teaching things that, wasn't, that was contrary to the Spirit of God and contrary to what Paul had planted and what had been initially brought in through the gospel. When Paul talks about farming terms here in Galatians, he's talking about his corrective writings of bringing... Uh, and, 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 and about the church community. Because at times, there are going to be VDPs. You know what VDPs are? Very draining people. That are in the field of your labours. Where they're consumed with themselves. Alright? People who demand their, your attention and want from you a certain level of attention and certain level. Now, I'm being negative initially because Paul spoke about this. He talked about the carnal. He talked about fleshly. He said, if you think you are, uh, you are too important to help someone, you're only fooling yourself. Remember what he said here? You're not that important. So in our field of labours, we're going to have, at times, it's going to be hard work at church. It's going to be hard work in your workplace. It's going to be hard work in your in, in, in family. We've just gone through some uh, issues over the last 10, 15 years in our family where I've had to work hard at making sure that my kids don't uh, turn on each other over doctrine and church and how you live and how you don't live. And these things come up at different times in family and... We need to acknowledge it, not just hide behind grace and love. And grace and love are tremendous things that happen in church. But there are also some things that happen that aren't good in church. Paul acknowledges that in the church community. And this is the field of labours. But in a very positive and great aspect of church community, Paul also begins this, uh, this last chapter, his last thoughts, by saying, verse 1, Dear brothers and sisters, if, any, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back on the right path. David Jeremiah uh, uh, speaks about this, and he says there's three points, and I'm not going to use them because they're his points, but I just want to name them. He says there is an aim of restoration here, that is to bring somebody back into line in their journey in Christ. The act of restoration, in other words, getting alongside of somebody and helping them. And then there's the attitude of restoration, which is to gently and humbly help somebody. I like that. I think church should be filled with that. The right attitude the right acts and the right uh, uh, aim in helping people. It's not our place to go looking for sin in another believer's life, but if it comes to light, you who are godly, he says, get alongside people, help them privately, sit with them, listen to their story. It's not just about each other coming to church and revving each other up, patting each other on the back and saying, good on you, mate, see you next Sunday. It's about involvement in each other's lives. And as much as we like to build our fences around ourselves to protect ourselves, there are times when we need 
someone to get alongside us and help us. James chapter 5 and verse 16, confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. It's interesting that that's in the context of confessing your sin one to another. That someone would pray an effective prayer with you and help you in your journey with Christ. In Ephesians chapter 4 and verses 15 to 16, again he says, Instead we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of the body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. I like that again, that the, the Bible brings this understanding that the Spirit of God will lead us to a place where someone can be aside, aside, uh, come alongside us and help us in our walk with Christ. It's the confession of sin. It's the helping of someone else grow in the things of God and it's tr- speaking the truth in love. I like that because that's an honest conversation with somebody. I think we spend a lot, far too much time trying to portray an image to people that everything's all right when it's not all right. One commentator said that we need to be lovingly real with one another. Lovingly real with one another. From this standpoint, working together in a field of labours like a church, we can see the church flourish when we're encouraging each other. Many a time, an encouraging word spoken in love from someone else has helped a struggling believer go on in the things of God. It's our field of labours. It's here in the church. It's here in our community, it's our families, it's our workplace, it's our field of labours. John Robert Stevens said these words, slowly the spotlight has moved away from the one-man show, the one-man ministry, and it has shifted to body ministry. The emphasis is no longer on the individual, but on the great ministering company. That's us helping each other. It's our field of labours. That's why Paul says in verse 2, share each other's burdens and in this way obey the law of Christ. What's the law of Christ? Love your neighbour as yourself. Romans 15.1 We who are strong must be considerate of those who are sensitive about the things like this. We must not just please ourselves. These verses of Scripture are countercultural because it's all about the individual today. And in some churches and, I, and some Christians that I've met, their, their whole outlook on life is they are the centre of the world and everything else revolves around them. And I think, how long have you really been saved? How long have you known Christ? Because the more we know Christ and the more we become like Christ, the more we realise it's not about us, it's about what God wants to do through us in his field of labours. In Romans 15.5, it goes on to say, May God, who gives this patience and encouragement, help you live 
in complete harmony with each other as is fitting for followers of Christ Jesus. As is fitting for followers of Christ, church, uh, Christ Jesus. One of the great aspects of being part of a church community is the support network and the help we gain from other believers. There are specific times when we need someone, another believer, to stand with us in prayer, to be a listening ear, to bring some comfort and encouraging words. I've got a friend. I know you find it hard to believe, but I have a friend. He's been, he's been a friend probably 35 years more. And he has been in the one small church and, and, and community in Western Australia for 30 years. His church has never run more than about 60 or 70 people. He has a trailer. He's a uh, cabinet maker by trade. And he has a trailer. And when he finds out about somebody in the community who is struggling, who can't do something for themselves, maybe they've got an um, infirmity of some sort, maybe they're a disability, somebody will tell him and he'll saddle up his trailer and he'll go and do that work for free. He preaches the Word of God every week. He teaches Bible studies. And there have been times when he says, I just don't know if it's worth it. And God has used me at different times to be that voice on the other end of the phone. Sometimes I've, my wife and I will drive and go and see him, him and his wife and we'll go to their farm. And we'll just speak a word of encouragement to him. But his influence, his field of labours is a very small area, but my field of labours includes him. To be there on the phone, to be there sometimes in person. You know, he's had opportunity to go around the world. He, invest, he, he and his church invest in churches in India. He doesn't own a house. He has no superannuation. But what he is rich in is the Word of God and relationship with the people of God. He's my age, yet his small labor field of labors is where he is being obedient to God. In light of that, I want to talk to you about sowing and reaping. Because farming people have a really good handle on sowing and reaping and they're much better at it than us city slickers. I notice around the back of, the, of, of our administration building, someone's been doing some farming. There's plants and there's stuff growing and praise God for any of you who have got green fingers, all right? But the issue is farmers know and understand that there is a process in growing, in sowing and reaping. They know when to break up the ground. They know when to sow seed. They know when to harvest. They know when to fertilize. They know when to cut back. The fact is, they know that there is a, going to be a period of time after they've planted the seed when they're not going to see any results. Nothing. I've often wondered about that because I get, uh, I'm one of these uh, fast food guys. If, I, if I'm going to get a bacon and egg McMuffin on my way to work in the morning, I want that within about 30 seconds. 
I'm in the drive-thru. I'm, I'm, I'm just one of these fast-paced guys. I've just got places to go, things to do. Farmers have an idea that it's going to take time. And they're not going to see much change because the work is being done under the earth. And that's the same in people's lives. Sowing and reaping is sometimes you don't always see the reaping when you want to. I know that when spring is coming, and praise God, spring's coming. I've had a hard time this, this winter. It's been too cold for me at times. And we've had a lot of work at, on roofs and various other things at work. And I've been trying to organize stuff. But I know that when spring's coming, and it already has started, I've noticed in my garden, all these weeds start popping up. Oh, the curse. Hey, it goes all the way back to Genesis. That, that sweat of your brow, you're going to be pulling up weeds, all right? And, uh, and I, but, you know, you can stand there and say, oh, I break the curse. But guess what? Weeds come the next season and you have to pull them out again. Sowing and reaping, there's always seeds floating around and there's always going to be sowing and reaping. After the Lord flooded the earth during Noah's time, God made a covenant, and in Genesis chapter 8 and verse 22, listen to this. He says, as long as the earth remains, there will be planting and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night, or seed time and harvest. He put the seasons in place. God has done that. And sometimes the seasons of our life, we're sowing into the seasons of our life, hoping for a quick harvest and it's not as quick as that it's not coming as quickly as we want sowing and reaping happens all the time now paul remember this is a a uh, a corrective portion of scripture and he says in verse 7 don't be misled you cannot mock the justice of god you will always harvest or reap what you sow or plant and then he goes on in verse 8 he says those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from the sinful nature. In the new English translation, it says, because the person who sows in his own flesh will reap corruption from the flesh. I know people who have sown seed to the flesh as believers, and when trouble comes because of their decisions and their actions, they pray for a crop failure. You got, you're listening to me. They've sown seeds, bad seed, into their life, into their, into their marriage, into their kids, into their, with finances, their, their, with uh, uh, their words in their workplace. They turn up late every day for work. They've sown that seed. And then when they're corrected or when they go through hard times, when that seed produces a, 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 a reaping, they want to pray for a, a crop harvest. Oh, God, change the circumstances of my life. For 40 years, you've been acting like a, a hypocrite, and then you want to see something change because you're reaping from that. Anybody home? If you can't say amen, say oh me. It happens all the time. There is always going to be seed time and harvest. I read a, real, a funny story. And it was about a, a lady in church. Oh, it's funny in one way. A lady in church who 
had limited amount uh, means and she was a single lady and so when anybody in church got sick or had to go to hospital she was an avid sewer and knitter and she would knit something for them for children she'd knit a toy and, and make a little stuffed toy and everything else like that so in the passage of time as years rolled by this lady got sick and was in, admitted to hospital the pastor comes to see her about a week afterwards and she said, Pastor, I don't understand. Everybody's bringing me knitted items and sewed items. What she had sown, she was reaping from. But the one who sows to the Spirit, he says, will the reap of eternal life from the Spirit. Some of our sowing is actually going to be reaped in eternity. We don't always handle that too well because we want it, we want it now because we're that instant society. Now, I'm going to do something I don't, I don't always do, but I want to honour my wife. I honour her, honour her to her face, but I don't honour her in front of the congregation. And I want to be serious about this for a moment because years ago we were... Set, we did seven years of hard labour in Adelaide. <laughs> Our field of labours was in a really difficult social economic area of Adelaide. And my wife, on the first day that we arrived, she said, the only reason I know this isn't hell is because it's freezing. <laughs> she really, she obeyed the call of God. She went with us to Adelaide on our last after seven years of labour on our last day in Adelaide we were walking down the streets of the city we'd stayed overnight in the city we'd uh, left our house and our gear was on its way over here to Perth and we were flying over to Perth my wife was feeling specifically at that time she was feeling quite down a number of years earlier, we had planted a church in Townsville. We moved from Townsville back to, uh, down to Ipswich. We planted another church. We went up to Darwin. We assisted up there for a while. And in the course of ministry, we hadn't seen a lot of fruit for our labours or what we thought was a lot of fruit for our labours. A lot of work, a lot of preaching, a lot of... We did street ministry in those days. We, um, there were... Lots of hard times. We had people that uh, um, rose up against us because they didn't understand our motives. And I might have been a bit too harsh in those days. Thank God for the work of God. Um, but in Townsville, we had rented an old Baptist building. And that had been built about 60 years ago. It was built on this huge big rock right on the edge of Townsville. And... Um, uh, most of the year we would have the windows open and uh, so when I would preach and when we would sing people could hear us from outside so often I would give when I was giving the call to salvation I would give a call if you're outside this building I'm desperate to get anybody saved right you're outside this building then pray this prayer with me what we didn't know was a local barmaid who rode a motorcycle had started attending our church on the outside. 
And every Sunday evening, she would park up her motorcycle on the outside of the building. She'd hear my call for salvation, and she eventually prayed a sinner's prayer. When she came into the church, she had major, major problems with men, had been violated, seriously struggling in herself. My wife took her under her wing. For the next few years while we were in Townsville, she invested in, in Heather and helped her out as best she could. But the day came that we left Townsville. We never heard or saw her again. Here we are in Adelaide in 2004, many years later, walking down the street. My wife's totally dis despondent about sowing and reaping and was it all worth it? We walk past a window and she looks in the window of the shop and she says, I think that's Heather. I said, really? She said, yes. I said, go in there and say hello. So she goes in to say hello and I look through the window and they're just hugging. Two thousand and four in a in a shop in Adelaide, my wife was given a great encouragement by the Lord for all that work that she'd done over the years. Heather was now married with kids, serving God with her husband in a church in Mildura, Victoria. That is sowing and reaping. On the day at the right time, in due season, my wife reaped an emotional and spiritual lift that has motivated her. And I want to honour her because without her doing what she's done over the years, I wouldn't be what I am today. Needless to say, we were on top of the world after that for a couple of days. Flew into Perth and we started our itinerant evangelism for the next seven years. Sowing into people's lives is sometimes thankless. You don't always see the seed. You don't always see the reaping of the seed or the harvest. You don't always see the fruit of your labours. But can I tell you, it is so important that we have people that sow into our lives and that we sow into others, that we invest of our lives. Kingdom farming is not so much about finances, even though last week was important. We ever invested our finances. Praise God. Great stuff, church. I'm so proud of us as a church to be able to do what we do every year and how we sow into the fields that God has called us into. But can I tell you, the real issue is people's lives. So I want to close in four minutes and 13 seconds. Endurance is my final point. Farmers know all about endurance. Hard work. I'm sorry, I'm swearing at some of you. Hard work. <laughs> a lot of people want it so easy. They just want to, yeah, 
put it in the stock exchange and, and reap everything that comes. Well, guess what? That's uncertain riches. Be careful. You need to have an aspect of endurance. In verse 9 of our scripture says, so let's not get tired of doing good or do not become weary of well-doing. You need some endurance. At the right time, you will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, should we, uh, we should do good to everyone, especially to those of the family of faith. Verse 1, he started off talking about doing good for someone. Verse 10, he finishes that thought by repeating that, doing good for others. In this fast-paced generation, high-speed internet, instant food, instant results, the idea of sowing and reaping and waiting for the right season means you've got to have some endurance in your heart. There are going to be times like yesterday when someone in the family passes away, in our family, there are going to be times when you don't always see the fruit of your labours. You can expect fast results, but you may not always get them. My exhortation, my encouragement to you is endure. Be tough in the, in the clinches. Well, when I think of a farmer, I think of somebody who's hardworking, but I also think of somebody who's patient. David Guzik wrote these words, it's easy to be dangerous, uh, sorry, it is easy but dangerous to, to lose heart. In the ancient world, the phrase translated lose heart was used uh, for the kind of fear and weariness a woman experiences during labour just before delivery. It describes a time when the work is hard and painful but also unfinished and unrewarded. It is easy to lose heart when we feel that way, but that is exactly when we must hang on and not grow weary while doing good. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and verse 16 to 18 says, Therefore we do not despair, but even if our physical body is wearing away, our inner person is bearing, are being renewed day by day. For our momentary light affliction, uh, well, in old King James' affliction, but light suffering, is producing for us an eternal weight of glory, far beyond all comparison, because we are not looking at what can be seen, but what cannot be seen. For what can be seen is temporary, but what cannot be seen is eternal. I want to commend this church for those who served yesterday at Matthew Milner's funeral. This place, you, it was filled. We had the, the chairs stacked up. I can't remember. How many was it, Josie, that was here at the end? 700 people, both in this auditorium, in the outside, and in the overflow in the car park. As I looked around after the, the funeral... And uh, people were having conversations. I saw one after the other after the other of Grace Life people carrying plates and serving around this congregation. There were people that were on the front doors. There were people that were, had served 
I commend this congregation because in the field of labours yesterday, we planted over 700 seeds. That's what we planted. It may have been a, 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 a time of mourning for the Milner family, but all of them are so happy at how it rolled, how, the, how this service was. There was comment after comment after comment about the feel of the building, the atmosphere of the place. Just so many positive comments. We sowed yesterday in our field of labours, we sowed seed that we may not see this side of eternity, but we're believing that it will reap an eternal reward. Can you say amen? Whenever we can do good, we should do good. The Milner family have been surrounded by people over the last two weeks with people sending them prayers and phone calls and text messages, even getting him from that side over to here and he's sitting with me. Hallelujah. Just to help. Just to help. Kingdom farming is all about people and us doing what we can for someone else, both on their journey to Christ and their journey with Christ. That's our field of labours. Help somebody find Christ and help somebody who is with Christ, help them along the road of their journey. It's my privilege to be a part of a church just like this who wants to help others. Every one of our lives affects someone else and sowing spiritually into somebody else's life is critical. Don't underestimate your labours of love. God knows them. And we will reap if we do not faint. Last scripture, and I'm going to close with this. Hebrews 6.10 says, For God is not unjust to forget your work and labour of love, which you, have so, which you have shown towards his name, in that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. Body work, body ministry, laboring. In your parents, keep sowing good seed into your kids. Mums and dads, show them what it means to live for God. That's what, that's what changed Matthew Milner's eternal destination was his parents that read the Bible, showed him what real Christianity was, so much so that when he married a girl, she said, he showed me what a real Christian is. What a testimony. What a testimony. You and I, we have so much good things to do in life. And God's helping us. By the grace of God, we'll see good things. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes as our service comes to close. Maybe we could have a lease. Can we play, please? Heads about, eyes are closed. I want to take a moment in our service to give a call for your salvation. Can you hear the Spirit of God? Can you feel the Spirit of God drawing you to a place of knowing God? There is a line 
in my life a line where I crossed. It was a line where I was lost in my sin. I'd sown many bad things into my life and I was starting to reap of those bad things. But then I gave my life to Christ. I still reap some of those things, but I have an answer. I repented of my sin. I gave my life to Christ. I want to invite any person here today under the sound of my voice. You don't know Jesus as your personal saviour. If you don't know him, I'm sorry, but you're lost. You need to be found. You need to find Christ and Christ is finding you right now. He's reaching out to you. I want to encourage you to come and find Christ by opening your heart and saying, yes, Jesus, come into my life. Be my saviour. I repent. Forgive me of my sin. If you're here today, you want to pray that prayer, I'm going to ask you to do something that maybe you've never done before, never even thought about doing before, but I want you to lift your hand and say, yeah, that's me. I need Jesus in my life. Lift your hand so I can see it. Anybody at all, lift it up. I see that hand. Thank you for your honesty. Thank you for your honesty. You can put your hands down. Thank you very much. Two people have responded. Maybe you're away from God right now. You need Jesus in your life. You need Jesus in your life. You've walked away from God, but he's calling you back. Come back to Jesus. Lift your hand. Maybe you attended church when you were young, but you walked away from God now. Now you're coming back. You say, yeah, that's me. I, I need to come back to God. Lift your hand so I can see it. We'll be happy to pray with you. Anybody else? Join these two people. Praise God. I wonder if we can all pray a prayer. Those people that lifted your hand, I want you to pray a prayer after me and the church is going to encourage you by praying that prayer with you. Okay, we're going to pray a prayer and we're going to invite, you can invite Jesus into your life and give him your life and ask him to forgive you of your sin. But the other thing I want to encourage you is after you've prayed that prayer later after the service, I want to, come, I want to, I want to see you down the front and I want to pray with you, okay? Pray this prayer, everybody, with these two precious souls that have decided to give their life to Jesus. Let's repeat this prayer. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you died on the cross for my sin. Please forgive me of my sin. I invite you to become my Lord and my Savior. Come into my heart. You rose from the dead. I want to be, I want to be born again today. In Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed listening to this podcast from Grace Life Church. For more information about us or any of our services, please visit our website at gracelife.com.au.